What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Crazy Face Uno podcast, where everyone has a story, everyone's story matters. What's your story? I'm your host, Shane McNeely, and I am honored and it is a privilege to introduce my guest today, my friend, Becky Jaworski. What's going on, Becky? Not much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So just full disclosure for everyone listening right now, that was about my fifth take on this. If you've been listening (laughs) for a while, you've just noticed that I completely changed things up and we have a new tagline. Everyone has a story. Everyone's story matters. What's your story? Um, So it's going to be rolling out. It's going to be getting better. We're going to play around with this over time. But Becky was uh, so kind as to listen to me and giggle at me uh, the many times that I did this. Becky, thank you. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. (laughs) So, Becky, you and I, we... We haven't talked in, wow, it's been a good while. Probably 10 years? Uh, Nine, 10? Well, my last year at Bethel was 2010, spring of 2010, so. Yeah, that was when yeah. I graduated, so. Well, 10 years, yeah. Or technically, <laughs> sort of, that's when I walked. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, so that's where we met. We met in college. Uh, we met at good old Bethel College, now Bethel University. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you and Margie were good pals, and uh, Sam and I would run around with you guys. You were one of mm-hmm. the co-conspirators in the tapioca pearl wars with the bubble yes. tea. Yes, and I actually like completely forgot about that. <laughs> and then I was listening to Margie's episode. And I was riding the bus going to work, and I was just, like, bursted out laughing. I was like, oh, my gosh, like, that's so ridiculous, but just such good, fun times. <laughs> it was such a good time. It was such a fun time. Yeah. I feel yeah, like so fun. I don't have anybody that I can do that with. Like, I could do it to my wife, yeah. but she'd probably be like, what are you doing, and why are you doing that? Yeah. <laughs> right. She thought it was pretty funny whenever she listened to that podcast. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, like, so gross, too, with tapio- like. I know. Our hair is just disgusting afterwards, but I know. worth the fun, I guess. I know, yeah. <laughs> if you've ever had, if, if you're listening and you've ever had bubble tea, it's the little tapioca pearls or these little brown, little like round balls, and they give you these big old straws, and we spit them at each other like spit wads <laughs> when we get them, <laughs> and we had these like big old wars where we'd be like chasing each other around in the parking lot of the bubble tea place in South Bend, Indiana. It was a good time. Yep. It was a good time. Yep, innocent, innocent college fun. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, going to Bethel, you had to like make your own fun somehow, you know. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Becky, you are in Chicago nowadays. Yes. And just celebrated nine, my nine year anniversary in Chicago. Whoop so. whoop! Congratulations. It's yep. a good city. <laughs> yeah, w- it's amazing. <laughs> I always like to say it's like it's a real city. And people like yeah. kind of look at me and they're like, "What do you mean? Like other, every city's a real?" I'm like, "No, but it's like next to you, York, New York. I don't even know what I just said there. New York, <laughs> <laughs> next to New York, it's like it's like a real city. It's it's got all the bells and whistles and all the it's got everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I I definitely like even to this day I still have these moments where I'm just walking down the street and I like look around and I'm like, "Holy cow! Like I actually live here." Like. 
Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I'm just on vacation or something. Yeah. Um, but it's like, I'm like, wow, I actually live here. And it's like, you know, you just have these moments of just being like, kind of taken back at just like how awesome it is. Um, yeah. And then I go and visit other cities. Right. Like I remember going to Phoenix and I was like, got to downtown Phoenix and there's like 10 buildings. Yeah. Like, <laughs> tall buildings. And I was like, what is this? Yeah, like, right. not a city. I know. Well, and that's what I mean. Like I've lived in... I've lived in quite a few different places, you know, and mm-hmm. from San Diego to Minnesota to, I don't know, just different places in Indianapolis, yeah. whatever. And, you know, they're yeah. all, they're all, there's like all these like similarities, but when you mm-hmm. go to Chicago, it's just completely different. It's just different. There's, right. There's yeah. no other way to describe I, it. Right. And like I went to, uh, my brother lives in Minnesota, actually, in oh, Rochester. And, nice. um, but I went up to uh, Minneapolis and met them there, but... I remember I had, like, a free time, and I was just kind of walking around the city. And then I, like, stupidly bought a day pass for the bus and train or whatever. So <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, I need to, like, pay for the bus, right? Yeah. And then you just walk on, and no one's, like, like maybe they'll check, but probably yeah. not. And yeah. I was like, what the heck? I just, like, spent all this money for no reason. <laughs> like, no one... But, of course, if I didn't buy the ticket. Exactly. Then you'd been ticket, in trouble. Minnesota's, yeah, like, really- the Twin Cities, especially, like, Minneapolis, like, it's up there. I mean, it's a good city, mm-hmm. but it's still yeah. different. Yeah. It's like a bigger, you know, bigger city. It's a, yeah. the Twin Cities are really underrated in my opinion. I think they're like some of the most underrated like places in the country. Yeah. Yeah. I had a good time up there. Yeah. I remember I went for a run and my sister-in-law was like, oh, did you go over the Mississippi River? And I was like, mm. I like ran over this like little creek thing. And she was like, because I've only seen the Mississippi yeah. from like down by St. Louis where it's yeah. huge. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, that was the Mississippi. And I was like, oh. And, like, I had no idea. But, like, the neighborhoods all along the river there are, like, super cool. Yeah. Um, I would love to go back and, and spend more time up there. Yeah, you'll have to. I mean, it's especially during the winter. Or, not the winter. Summer. Avoid the winter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, especially during the summer. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I love it. Well, mm-hmm. Becky, you, um, so both at Bethel and you transferred out of Bethel to Columbia College mm-hmm. in Chicago. But both mm-hmm. places, you studied sign language interpreting. Yes. Which is awesome and really, like, <laughs> it's it's just, like, a unique field that, oh, yeah. you know, like, you just don't, I don't know. Bethel had a great program, I would say, mm-hmm. or at least a bigger program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. And so it's kind of a normalized thing there with, you know, we had chapel three days a week, and um, you'd always see the mm-hmm. interpreters up there practicing and doing their it was part of your like class right when you had to go up there yeah it was like a requirement for um i think when you got to your junior year yeah um, it was a requirement so i like i like got out of there before i had to do that because yeah. i i absolutely hate interpreting music <laughs> and i was like i am not going up there in chapel interpreting these songs because <laughs> that's like my worst nightmare yeah that's so, funny it's such yeah. a good like yep. like place to have practice though wouldn't you say yeah. Um, like, there's not a lot of places or not a lot there. of schools that you'd have that ability to, like, a regular three days out of the week, you'd be able to go up and, like, do something yeah. like that. I would say, yeah, it was a pretty safe environment. Um, from what I remember, Noah's, when I was there, there was no deaf students. Um, mm. I think the only deaf people on campus were, like, the professors in our class. So, right. Like, Isn't that interesting? Um, like, no one was, like, missing out on the chapel experience because of bad interpreters you know what I mean yeah. like it was kind of like 
Because it would affect if there was, like, a deaf student sure. who, like, really wanted to be there. And then they have these students who are, like, maybe not doing the best job. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was, like, a super safe environment to practice. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah. Um, what what led you, you know, like I said, this is, I feel like it, maybe it's not, maybe this is my ignorance, but I feel like it's kind of a unique uh, field to go into. What's led you mm-hmm. that direction? Like, what was... so. Yeah, um, I actually went to an elementary school that was a cluster site for deaf students. Okay. Um, Well, actually special needs students in general. So, like, all of the students with special needs in, like, our county would Mm -hmm. get bused to my elementary school. Mm. Um, And this is in Crystal Lake, Illinois, so, like, an hour and a half north of Chicago, northwest of Chicago. Um, And so, like, it was a cluster site, so there was a bunch of deaf kids in my school, yeah. Um, and I had three girls in my class in first grade. Um, and I just like, as soon as I met them or like my first day of class, I was like, this is awesome. I was like, I'm going to figure out how to like talk to these people. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, I first just learned the alphabet and would spell like every single word to them, Yeah. which is kind of hilarious to me because I've gone back and looked at things that I wrote as a child and my spelling <laughs> is just absolutely atrocious. So like, I don't really know how we communicated because yeah. I was not spelling any of those words correctly. Yeah. But um, <laughs> That's also but, interesting though. Like that's a, that's yeah. a part of like sign language interpreting, you know, obviously it's not mm-hmm. everything isn't spelling it out, but right. you have to be proficient in, grammar and spelling yeah yeah i I guess spelling more so than grammar but yeah Yeah. interesting Um, i never even thought about that yeah yeah um and it's funny now because sometimes i'll like be writing something and i'm trying to remember i like can't write the word like i'm like i'm spelling this wrong or i'm texting and i'm like i'm spelling this word wrong yeah and then if i sign it i Mm. sign it to myself and i'll sign it like spell it yeah correctly and then I'm like, oh, okay, and then I can write it. So yeah. it's weird how your brain works with language. Um, but, so yeah, and then I would, like, rent sign language dictionaries from the library yeah. and kind of, like, just learn the signs that I needed. Um, and I sat in class and watched the interpreter interpret and kind of just, like, learn sign language through her. Um, and one of the girls, one of the deaf girls, Abby, she became, like, my best friend in elementary school. So, um I, by the time I graduated, like, got to fifth grade, I was, I would say I was fluent in sign language, um, mm-hmm. and I probably, yeah, I would say by the end of, like, first grade, I was like, when I grow up, I'm going to be an interpreter. This is what I'm going to do. That's I so cool. Awesome. Yeah, so it's kind of funny, because, you know, you have, like, career day, and you have to write about, like, what you want to be when you grow up, and people yeah. will be like, I'm going to be an astronaut, I'm going to be the president, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to be a sign language interpreter. That's so cool, though. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I mean, very fortunate. I feel like, especially in our generation, there's a lot of, like, most people, I feel like, graduate high school and have no idea what they're going to do. Sure. Or, like, what to study in college. Yeah. And um, kind of go in with just, like, a general Mm -hmm. idea and then don't really pick their specific field until later on. Um, So I was very fortunate to just kind of know right off the bat that that's what I was going to do. I would agree. You are very fortunate. I've talked about that on here before, (laughs) how I'm like, ah, those people that just know. Yeah. It's like, ah, jerks, you know? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's awesome. I just, I, you know, there's just so many people and and a lot of people just across the board, across the country, especially, um, Mm -hmm. 
go into college with an idea of what they want to do and change a major and you know what's that yeah. there's some really high percentage you know rate of people that change and there's some people that just oh, know yeah. like they just go into it and I think that's awesome yeah. and I I think everybody wants to know and they go in but mm-hmm. it's just hard but I yeah. think that's really cool yeah that's really awesome yeah dude yeah. so here's a question I like to ask um mm-hmm. obviously you know like you were were drawn to this field at a young age. Um, mm-hmm. I think that there are, I don't know, different like stereotypes or stigmas or whatever for this population of people, um, special education in general. Um, mm-hmm. What, like, a- as a young girl, was mm-hmm. there something, like, was there a time that you remember, like, just caring about other people and that empathetic heart that you clearly have. And and I know that you have, um, that you like that really like resonated or that really came out and you were, was it just that moment when you started to like blend those cultures and and understand a different set of people or was there a specific time in your life that you remember anything? I think, I don't know if it's really, if there really is a moment, but at the same time, and I was kind of thinking about this because I was sure you were going to ask me about interpreting something <laughs> on this podcast. Of course, yep. Um, and, like, I think I was fortunate enough to be immersed in with deaf, deaf people at such mm-hmm. a young age that, like, I don't remember what life is like to not be around deaf people. Yeah. So I don't really – sometimes, like, growing up as a kid specifically, like, I didn't really see – um how they like yeah they couldn't hear but i didn't really see how they were different than the rest of us yeah absolutely Um, that's awesome they were just my classmates yeah um now as an adult when i'm looking at like the political side and all of like the oppression (laughs) yeah um, as you get older you learn more and now i see how it's divided yeah um like as a kid it was just like oh these are my friends right which i think speaks more to you know that you know just different uh what's the correct word? I don't know. The, um, when we look at people, whether it's, you know, the, there's a specific word I'm looking for and it's eluding me at the time, at the moment. (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know, whatever it is, like just when you treating people differently and looking at people differently, Mm -hmm. it's a learned trait, you know, whether that's, um, I think that, you know, we, we can see that in our, kids and in our children and this is one of the things yeah. I love to say is that time is on our side you know we've mm-hmm. we've we're fairly young as a country and as a as a nation and as we mm-hmm. continue to merge these different cultures and these different groups of people um you know these different ethnicities together and and at such a young age like you said mm-hmm. you know it's elementary school or whatever when you start to be able to understand people and see people with different skin colors different cultural backgrounds mm-hmm. different um you know ways of growing up and whatever it is i think that mm-hmm. it it's like you just said it's like you don't even think about it it's just it's what right. you grew up with it's not something like right. you look and go like why is that person different than me it's just this mm-hmm. piece that's like oh, this is just how our world is, which is so true. It's just how our world is. And now we're so, as adults, in so many different ways and places, we look at people when we try to, like, uh, correct these wrongs or correct these ways that we have in our head versus, Mm -hmm. like you just said, it's uh, 
these unconscious biases that we try to like correct. Yeah. And I think it right. sometimes it does more harm than it's good, but it's necessary at the same time. So it's just complicated, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I think, um, like, it's interesting, too, to think about just with, so, like, the ADA, like, Americans with Disability Act, like, that started yeah. and that was founded in 1990. Um, so when I was in kindergarten, like, that was only five years after that became a law, which yeah. that's the law that requires interpreters to be in the classroom, right? So, yeah, wow. Um, it's kind of like you think about that timeline and it's like, I don't know. Kind like of I mind blowing. About this, yeah. You're like lucky yeah, that I you like had like, that opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like had I been born five years earlier, like I wouldn't have had an interpreter in my class right. and I would have had students just sitting there completely isolated mm. from the, from their peers because there wouldn't have been access to communication. So yeah. yeah. I love that. There's, I knows where I'd be today. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many things like that. I mean, man, I've talked about this before too on the podcast, but I, I, I believe there's purpose in life for sure. I, I mean, I think okay. it's impossible to really know what that is, but I just look at those same things, you know, it's like you could be born a, just the fact that you were born in general is like yeah. a massive, like luck of the draw where you were born, right. um, okay. how lucky I am to be born where I am and have the privileges right. that I do have. And then okay. just to be sitting in this seat in Coconut Creek, Florida, Florida on a podcast okay. with my friend Becky, who I like, I wouldn't have met you. There's so many things that could have happened yeah. that if they didn't happen, I would have mm-hmm. never met you. I'd never be sitting here. Right. And right. the reason that we're talking is, and the reason that I'm here is, is like, there's so many different things that hold those two um, things together. I mean, I went to right. Bethel College because I wrestled in high school, and mm-hmm. I was found out about wrestling because of a friend of my mom's growing up. That was her neighbor um, of mm-hmm. my my grandparents, their neighbor, like their kids, and he told mm-hmm. me about Bethel College. They dropped the wrestling program. I ended up still going to <laughs> Bethel. You know, uh, yeah. I was roommates with Sam. Yeah. He became a best friend, and I moved to yeah. the Twin Cities because of that. And I met my wife and here I am, you know, like right. there's just so many yeah. little things that one of those little exactly. things could have gone wrong and, uh, right. or it exactly. could have gone different and it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think about. <laughs> it is. What was the difference? Um, well maybe just talk about, you know, you, you kind of mentioned it at Bethel. You, you got out of there before you had to interpret um, uh, mm-hmm. music was that, I mean, obviously that had a played a part because you brought it up, but were there other reasons? I mean, we, we don't have uh, to get into yeah. this too much if you don't want to, but uh, I, yeah, uh, that was actually like a reason that I kind of just thought of right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have a whole other list of reasons that yeah. I left. Um, I actually, let's think I'm trying to, chapel is like a very, so I should say, like, I want to preface this with like. I think Bethel is a great school and it fits certain people and like some people thrive in that environment yeah. and it, it, it serves a purpose for a certain group of people. Yeah. Um, but, and my freshman year, I was that person. Like I loved Bethel. I loved, like, I didn't want to come home on breaks cause I loved being yeah. at Bethel and like living in Shoop and it was awesome. Um, it was like slumber party every single day. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just like such an awesome community, you know, like yeah. I loved it. Um, and then my sophomore year, things kind of switched, and um, 
I don't know. Like, part of it was the community aspect. Like, I was living in Tucky, and, like, this sounds, like, metaphoric, but it's, like, not supposed to be. I guess it is. But, like, the (laughs) doors on the dorms in Tucky, like, when they close, they automatically lock. So it kind of shuts off that community aspect because Mm. people can't just come in and out of your room when they want. Or, like, something about having to, like, knock on a door yeah. to see if someone's there and them choosing to answer the door to let you in yeah. kind of like puts up a barrier for people to just pop in and say hi or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember when and- I was in, I don't even know what it was, the guy's dorm my sophomore year um, yeah. over by the soccer fields. If you're listening, right, the other this half is like, of that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, is that, is that Tucky? See, I didn't even remember where Tucky was. Uh, but we'd like, prop- like, it was like an L shape, right? I think it was yeah. Tucky was the girl's side. I, I don't so. know. I don't, I don't know. really remember. <laughs> yeah, I don't really either. Uh, not important. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'd just like prop our doors open, though. And like that was kind of oh, like okay. open for business. You know what I mean? Or like come by yeah. and hang out. Like, yeah. I don't know. The guys, that was like how we did it. Or we'd like oh, okay. stick a shoe in the door. You know what I mean? Like you'd be like, hey, yeah. Like, Hey Joel, yeah. you there? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, like whoever, whatever. But yeah, our floor was very much like, because um, it's sophomore year, so like you got to pick who your suite mates were and everything. Right. And I felt like everyone kind of just like stayed in their suite and hung out. Yeah. With their suite it's mates. It's true. And so it was like more separated and just left the community. Um, yeah. My suite was kind of weird. Um, there was, it was me, um, Ann Mitchell, uh, yeah. now Ann Sweeney, she's married. Yep. Um. And then Margie. And then we had a fourth girl. Don't even remember her name. She, Her family lived in Mishawaka, I think, or maybe Granger. Yeah. And she would spend the night, like, maybe once a month in our dorm. I can't so, like, remember that now that there. you said that. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of weird. Um, you guys were on, the, yeah, you guys were down by the, down, like, first floor, right? right? Like, all the way at the end. Yeah. yeah. like, all the way at the end. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, like, community dorm wise was just a little bit different and then um i was so i am like i was listening to Derek griffey's podcast and you guys are talking about like the life the covenant thing that you have to find being at yeah. Bethel, and we're just like but you're like honestly don't even know what it was like we just like broke the rules didn't even know what the rules were kind of thing and <laughs> i'm so like, many the ways, opposite yeah. yeah okay like i'm the opposite like yeah. if i have a rule i'm gonna follow it right so like i followed all of the rules and um (laughs) like I remember just being really frustrated by it because like there was one night that I like really wanted to fill up my water bottle but I couldn't leave the hallway because if I left the hallway it was past curfew and I'd be like breaking (laughs) curfew to go get water you know like I'm like and I was like what the heck like I'm in college can't even go get water at 1 a.m like what is like this is weird um, yeah, and if you're listening, then, so we had curfew. So <laughs> curfews were weekdays was twelve thirty. Um, mm-hmm. You had to be back at your dorm in your dorm, and so where you were talking about is water was down in like the commons area, right? And so you weren't allowed in yeah. the commons area after twelve thirty. You had to be in like your yeah. dorm or in your hallway. Like you, you could be in your yeah. hallway. It wasn't like you had to go to bed, but um, right. that was like where you had to go. And then on the weekends, it was. Um, Two two a.m. Yeah, two a.m. You had to be back. Um, so it's not like yeah. unreasonable, but at the same time, it's like you just said. It's it's this. Uh, you're adults, like right. <laughs> you know, I like I just want some water. Yeah, like, it's I just not want like I'm getting. Water. I'm not going to get like a beer. Like I just want, yeah. I mean, I just want yeah. water. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, 
so that was kind of like little things like that, like little rules that things that tacky. seem like just like whatever. Just little tacky You're rules. like, yeah. Um, and I and then I followed most of them. You know what I mean? Like there was occasionally like again like there were my junior year we definitely exploited that rule as often as possible yeah. it wasn't like yeah. it wasn't like we were going out and drinking every night or we were even going right. out and drinking at all like some sometimes it was yeah. just like oh we just wanted to be out we went about down by the yeah. river or whatever and hung out and right or we went right. and Which hung out like- at somebody's house and we didn't want to come home at 2 a.m or we left at 2 and didn't get home till 3 so we'd like sneak in the through the window yeah. or you'd have you call a friend and have them open the door for you because you had swipe cards right. so if you're listening we had right. we had these swipe cards and you had to swipe to get in and so it logged what time you got in and if you had they would basically you'd have a talk with your rd or your ra or whoever it was if you clocked mm-hmm. in late and if you had so many of those you went on i think it was just social probation or whatever and they like yeah change our curfew or something yeah they'd like change it or whatever um we weren't allowed to drink on or off campus um even if you were 21 wasn't didn't matter Mm -hmm. Uh, that was like the covenant that we were talking about that we signed um boys and girls in each other's dorms was only on the weekends um fridays with boys saturdays was girls and then sundays was uh both and that was from six to midnight Mm -hmm. um yeah and like the um, like the alcohol thing, like that was not even an issue for me yeah, because, like I, I said, I'm really a rule either. follower. So, like, I was like, I'm not 21, so I'm not going to drink alcohol. Yeah. Like, I never drank until my 21st birthday. So, like, yeah, it didn't, I didn't really matter either. I so, I wasn't even of age. Yeah. So, it, but it was like, I just like the feeling of going away to college and having more rules than when I'm home. Yeah. Was a thing that seemed backwards to me. <laughs> right. Um, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that was there was that whole issue, but then. Um, the like religious side of it all, um, the like forced religion, Mm. um, was something that I like really struggled with. Um, and then like the judgment that came along with you not like subscribing to what Bethel wanted you to do religion-wise. So like, um, like going to chapel three times a week was like, there's a lot, I have a lot of thoughts on that. Like, I don't think it was necessary. Um, yeah. I don't think, like, I would say most of us were not going there to, like, get something from that mm. time of worship. Like, we were just going because we had to be there. Yeah. Um, and, like, the chapel at Bethel, um, for everyone listening, if they've ever been, like, it's kind of separated into two parts. There's, like, a, a it's an auditorium, and, like, there's, yeah. like, the lower part, and then a walkway in the upper part. And, like, very noticeable that if you go to the upper part, like <laughs> most of the people are sleeping or doing their homework. Like, yeah, no Especially one's really like, all like the way actually, at the top. <laughs> yeah, like no one's really like engaged up there. Um, and then like the I would go to chapel and like there's some people there who are like 100% like all into their worship every single day, and I was like there's no way that you are that strong in your faith that every single day <laughs> for four years that you're here, you're like both hands up worshiping as hard as you can. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just felt like there was like people that like kind of put on this like facade when yeah. they would go to chapel. And that like really bothered me. Authenticity I was, like, I and think, being genuine. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it kind of became like this, like, Oh, like, look at me. Like I'm, 
doing better in my walk than you are because mm. like you only have like you know like that's just kind of the, the vibe i was getting sometimes yeah. or and maybe that's just my perception like maybe i misunderstood things but i was just like i didn't really like that um yeah and it really i mean it, I, honestly it could be right i mean there is that yeah. but i i don't think you're wrong i think you know, I, I feel that as well. I feel like there's this authenticity being genuine. You didn't, you weren't welcome to like, I don't know, not question, but like question. (laughs) You weren't really, it wasn't like a, it didn't feel like a safe place to like ask questions that were like counter to the the Mm -hmm. script in a a way or whatever. And I think that's what I really loved about the the guys that I ran around with, you know, the Bethel Boy series referenced before with Derek and Sam and Tony and Calvin and Tyler and uh, Matt and and those guys because that group of guys, like, I mean, we would often, you know, have these, like, deep philosophical debates and, like, Mm -hmm. question each other and, like, that that was like fun. I, I enjoy that. That's one of the reasons right. that I'm doing a podcast is because I have, yeah. I love talking one. I have no shortage of words. And, yeah. uh, I, yeah, I love to have like conversations like deep thought and, and, you know, the conversation yeah. that we're having right now, just about, you know, life and society mm-hmm. and whatever. Like I, I enjoy that. I think it's yeah. fun. And I think that it's yeah. important to ask questions and I think it's, but yeah, I, I agree. I mean, there was definitely an, an element there that um was yeah. lacking in some ways for sure um, yeah um and i yeah and i'm like i uh <laughs> so i also was like but i'm here at bethel and so like this is what i gotta do because this is the rule you know sure <laughs> Back to my yeah of course I, I think that's like, admirable I, I have to go yeah i think that I tells like, a lot well, about your character yeah um but then <laughs> as the sophomore year kept going i was like okay like i was like lean leaning more like I'm like I gotta find like I I'm not coming back here next year like I need to I need to find a way to get through this the rest of the school year um and so I got a job on campus to be the person that like takes attendance for chapel (laughs) yeah uh so I was essentially getting paid to go to chapel and that was like my uh (laughs) that was like why I was there because I like (laughs) was getting paid to be there uh so yeah (laughs) so that was like but then I was like um I like and thinking about that is kind of also like just like depicts like how I was perceiving Bethel at the time is like Mm -hmm. I was part of it too like I didn't I didn't like the fact that they took attendance and like you had to be there three times a week and if you weren't you had to make it up. Yeah. But then in turn I became the person taking attendance. Mm. So like you became the man kind of a, even though you hated yeah. the man. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. No, I get that. I get that completely. I mean, there were very few people that were really in, excited about going to chapel three days yeah. a week. And right. I, I'm not saying that it wasn't beneficial. I'm not saying that I didn't get things out of it at the time. Right, right. I'm not saying that you you didn't learn things. I don't I don't think that right. that's what we're saying at all. It's just that, you know, yeah. I don't know. Some days it was like the last thing you wanted to do was go. And right. <laughs> people are listening like, well, what's the big deal about going for an hour to a thing in the mornings on <laughs> Monday, Wednesday, you know. But it's just this yeah. like mandatory thing. Again, you had to swipe. It's right. it's a combination of all of the rules, I think. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. It's this like very yeah. 
straight laced, um, gotta do things the right way. And I think that spilled over into, um, the faith aspect, the religious aspect, Mm -hmm. the, the Christianity, um, of, it was this rule based Christianity in so many ways. Mm -hmm. And that was a lot, I think the rules at Bethel contribute to that. Um, and I, I don't think yeah. that's changed much now. I, I don't know what the culture is there. You know, I haven't been back, yeah. but, um, yeah, I think that that rule based like structure of the college spilled into the Christianity, which then mm-hmm. maybe was the, part of the reason that it didn't feel safe to ask questions and kind of, right. you know, was this like, kind of pushed you away a little bit. Yeah. It's this like stiff thing. This like, uh, stuffy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, sure. like, the same thing with, like, so on Sunday, like, I didn't have a church in Mishawaka, South Bend. Like, I, because I just went to, I, like, was like, I went to chapel three times. Like, <laughs> yeah. do I need to go a fourth time on Sunday? <laughs> and so. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, so of I, course. <laughs> and I also hate waking up early. Like, uh, if yeah. I could sleep in on Sundays, I'm going to sleep, you know, like, that's yeah. my jam. And I, I didn't have a car, so, like, I had to, like fine rides or whatever Mm -hmm. it was just like really big ordeal and i just like didn't do it so um and i like there's many times where i would go to the cafeteria for lunch on sunday and i'm just wearing like sweats or something and you can just tell like you could just feel that like the people who are just coming back from church were like oh, so you didn't go to church this morning? Yeah, right. And I was like, no, no, I didn't. Like it, yeah. like that kind of thing. Or like when people would find out that I wasn't in a Bible study, they would be like questioning, like, why? well, why aren't you in a Bible study? <laughs> and then it's kind of like... Yeah. Because I, I mean, I feel like I can like live my my faith, like have my faith in what I believe and live it out like in my daily life. Mm-hmm. But like I don't need to be in an organized, like, Bible study and chapel and church, you know, like every day of the week. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I think some people, that's like how they check in with their faith is Mm -hmm. like by going to all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, And I don't think that's really where I'm at or was at them either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's interesting too, because, you know, when I graduated, went off to work in Invisible Children and it was probably within, you know, two years of being at Invisible Children where I finally gave myself permission not to go to church anymore. And yeah. uh, it was one of the biggest weights off my shoulders. I, I just remember this like, mm-hmm. uh, it's like breath, you know, of like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't have to go and it's okay if I don't want to go. And I yeah. never felt that before. And I ne- had never given myself permission not to go. It was always that like, yeah, uh, that underlying like, I don't know guilt. that self. Yeah, that self guilt. <laughs> yeah. It's self prescribed. I don't think that you know the people that I was around and at that time weren't being like you should go mm-hmm. or like you're whatever. It was just right. It right. was this one thing that it I had grown up like you were in. Supposed to be doing. It. Yeah, I, I grew up that way. You know, that's it was a very mm-hmm. big part of my life, and I finally reached this point where I was like, you know what? I don't believe the same things that I used to believe and I don't want to go anymore mm-hmm. and I need some space and right. need some time to figure out where, where I'm at and what, what's important to me. And ultimately yeah, I just sure. decided that that wasn't, that wasn't for me. And, um, right. it was a big decision, you know, and I've made yeah. a lot of decisions since then. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. That was like a, that was a thing. And I think, you know, again, it's this, 
I grew up as a pastor's kid, you know, and I went mm-hmm. to church every Sunday. Same same mm-hmm. type of deal, you know. Like as a pastor's kid, you can't not go to church, you know. Not right. that I would have had the option anyway, but like, yeah, you, I couldn't not go. You know, it'd be like the same yeah. judgment that you felt about going to, you know, the cafeteria would have been mm-hmm. the same judgment that my parents would have yeah. been had and I would have had. And mm-hmm. then I went to this yeah. very conservative Christian school and um, yeah. that had these like really staunch rules. And I was mm-hmm. a youth ministry major and, you know, like I had all these things. Yeah. And so like yeah. this baggage that kind of came with me that's associated with my faith in Christianity and, and what that meant to me. And so for me to go, you don't have to do that anymore, Shane. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah, big time. Yeah, it's very similar. I so I grew up in the Lutheran church. Um, okay. My mom, my mom's whole family is Lutheran, and so um, as a family, we would go to Lutheran church every Sunday, Sunday school. Um, like, did the whole confirmation process, which is like, I don't know if you're familiar, but like mm-hmm. the Lutheran church is really intense. Um, like, we yeah. had Sunday school, but we also had like weekly classes, and yeah, we did a summer camp, but it was like our summer camp, like we had like flashcards and we're like memorizing <laughs> Luther's yeah. catechism. And, I had like, that growing up. Had to t- yeah. And like had to take a test at the end of the week or like yeah. going to go home or something yeah. crazy. I don't know. Um, and, uh, and so after I got confirmed, um, I was kind of like feeling the same way I felt at Bethel of like, I don't know if I really like that. I'm like, like I can't, I can't tell you any of the creeds now, but I like memorize all of them. Mm-hmm. And like, but for what? Like, I just to pass that test, like not to like, like I didn't take it to heart. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, and, and then in high school, my mom, I like, cause you were to told to let me, right. They were told me I needed to know all this. And I was like, okay, cool. I got it. Um, but then in high school, I talked to my mom and I was like, Hey, like, I want to go to this other church. And it was a church that rented the auditorium at my high school. And like, that's actually where I met Margie was at that church. Nice. Um, cause Margie and I did, we went to separate high schools. Um, but, like, I chose to go to that church. Yeah. And I think that has, like, so much a part of it is, like, when you get to choose, yeah. you know, versus being told what you need to do. I, I wonder I wonder what, you know, and I want to get into this next is your experience mm-hmm. at Columbia College. But I wonder what yeah. people that, you know, didn't experience that at all. You know, like, you, you got to mm-hmm. kind of the best of both worlds because you got to go yeah. and experience this experience this but like I wonder what that experience is for other people like I I actually really really wonder sometimes and I you know I've had I have friends that a lot of friends that didn't go to the same type of school that we did but um Mm -hmm. yeah I don't know I just wonder what that's like if if because I feel like this time of your age in in time of life Mm -hmm. is just a like Mm -hmm. self-discovery and figuring out what you believe anyway um Mm -hmm. but I wonder if it took us a little bit longer because of everything that we just talked about, you know, um, yeah. because I was the same way. My junior year was when it was the the click for me. It was like, oh, yeah, like Derek Griffey. You know, you you mentioned him, mm-hmm. and I've talked about this several times. But uh, he just asked me a question: Why do you believe that? And it was the mm-hmm. first time I'd ever really been confronted with what I believed. And yeah. ultimately, it was because I, that's what I've been told. That's what I grew up knowing, and I had to mm-hmm. figure out my own things. And so that was the beginning of the deconstruction of my faith and kind of figuring out what I I believed uh, mm-hmm. as an individual. Yeah. And I just wonder if that comes along for other people. I I, I have a theory that it would, um, mm-hmm. but I think it would come along at a different time and look different. You know, we were we were yeah confronted with it 
you know, and it was mm-hmm. like an identity. Um, I just had a podcast. It, it dropped um, on Friday. Sorry. Uh, okay. Yeah, on Friday, which is technically today, which is when we're recording this. I was going to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we're my buddy uh, Brady Peters, he was talking mm-hmm. about how, <clears throat> you know, when he went to Invisible Children, it was kind of the same idea. He had gone to a you know Christian school and he got to invisible children and everything he thought he knew about his faith and was just kind of like slapped him in the face. And it was this identity crisis. And so like when our identity is wrapped up in this faith and this religion and this way of life and this way that it's supposed to be and this like, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. rules and covenant and all these different things. It it just, it, it, I wonder, I wonder how, what the other, effects in some ways like a psychological you know whatever that we deal Mm -hmm. with as um i don't know just products of that environment of like what how that how that shaped us to be who we are today i really wonder one thing i really think about a lot is um the concept of the buffalo bubble Mm. (laughs) um which is something you hear on campus you hear that all the time explain that a little bit for people listening um yeah, so it's like this idea that so Bethel is a very tiny school. I want to say even with grad students, there's only maybe what two thousand students total, and yeah, like they're less not than even three all living on sure. campus. Yeah, yeah, um, and like land wise, it's a very small campus. Um, mm-hmm. And like for me, I didn't have a car, so I literally same. just well, lived on campus. Yeah, and I never left. Um, I saw the same people every single day. Um, Money didn't even exist to me Great. because yeah, I seriously. didn't need money. <laughs> yeah, um, like I was living in this little like utopia, like this perfect little bubble that like yeah was self sustaining in a way. At least for me, like I didn't have to, I didn't have to work. I didn't, I just went to class. I like yeah did whatever I wanted. I had meal swipes. Like yeah, um, for the most part, everyone was like like minded. Um, yeah, you know, you have your you have your few outliers, but like. Most of us all thought the same way or had the main, like the same beliefs and everything. Yeah. If you had um, a social life, if you had any a semblance of a social life at Bethel, yeah, you mm-hmm. you like pretty much had a lot of like minded people because it was the people yeah. that didn't subscribe to the same things that everybody else did that were like the outliers, but they just didn't socialize with people. Right. Which now you yeah. understand why in a lot of ways. Right. But right. On. Yeah, and. Um, I feel, and I could be wrong on this, but I feel like the school, I don't know if when they, like, you know, are, like, talking to, like, not the students, but, like, the staff, faculty, whatever, like, when they mention the Buffalo Bubble, like, it's either in a joke or it's kind of, like, mm-hmm. uh, like, they kind of, like, embrace it. Like, they're yeah. like, yeah, we have the Buffalo Bubble, you know, like, this is a great thing. Um, and, like, the more I think about that, and I think of, like, this is this Christian school. We're trying to, like, we're here learning how to, like, spread God's love and God's word. But, like, the yeah. church doesn't function in a bubble. Yeah. Like, Inclusion first, of, like, this. Yeah. Like, like protection. We got to get out of our bottle, or out of our bubble, you know? Like, well, isn't um, that the, isn't that kind of the, like, story of how uh, Buddha came to be? Man, if you're listening and you're, and you're oh, a Buddhist, no I don't. I'm apologizing if I'm butchering this. I'm really not intending to, and I don't mean anything 
verify this, but yes. I'm pretty sure that Buddha came to be because his father, his parents, like, protected him, kept him safe. And he was, like, walking oh. down his, like, enlightenment was mm-hmm. when he was walking down this path and he saw a homeless man or this man without food or whatever on the street. And it, like, mm-hmm. enlightened him to the world and yeah. thus began the, like, Buddhist religion, I believe. Again, don't hold yeah. me to that, but there's there's an element of that in the Buddhist uh, like uh, religion, and within that, yeah. I don't know exactly what part <laughs> that. There's a lot of different aspects of that, but um, yeah, I yeah. I think that's I, I I don't know I I'm with you. I think I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So then I was like, you know, I was like, I need to get out of this bubble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I. Uh, and that was really hard. Um, I, like, secretly sought out Columbia. And, like, I knew I wanted to go to, like, I've always wanted to live in Chicago. That was, like, on my bucket list that I wrote in, like, middle school. That's I cool. wanted to live downtown Chicago. Um, very much a city person. And um, I, Columbia is, like, one of the only interpreting programs in Illinois. Um, nice. And so I kind of, like, secretly did all my research and, like, applied and got accepted. And then I had to start telling people that I was leaving and that was a whole nother process um that kind of solidified my decision um some of the conversations I had with people telling them I was leaving did not go well (laughs) Um, it was like I was breaking up with them and like they did not take the news well um and some of the like within your program or yeah or just like like friends that I had made um my closest friends were like understood and supportive for sure but like other people would kind of like they kind of fizzled away. Like after I told them, they mm. like had no interest in being my friend for the rest of the semester. Mm. <laughs> um, or like my professor, one of in the interpreting program, made me write out a list of every reason with explanation as to why I was leaving, um, <laughs> and was like, "You like when I told her where I was going, she gave me a lecture about like, well, you have to be careful because." that is a school of sin and people have tattoos and piercings and all this stuff. And I was like, and I I told her, I was like, yeah, I was like, well, I like, I have seven piercings. Yeah. (laughs) You do. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, so I guess I'll fit right in. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I think I'll be fine. Okay. Um, what a rude thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really sorry, Becky. I'm sorry. You had that experience. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like I said at the beginning of all of this, like, this is my experience, and I don't want yeah. people to be, like, who don't know Bethel to think that it's, like, this terrible place, because it's not. Right. It wasn't for me. Right. Um, I, so, I, there are a lot of things, like, I, I don't know, I've often thought, like, I wouldn't be who I am today without Bethel, and I appreciate yeah. the time that I, I got to spend there. I think it's a great school. I think you can get a great education. I actually, mm-hmm. did you get that email the other day about, like, for alumni, the, the, there's, no. like, three questions. I, uh, so I actually ask them to take me off i tried to list, too but i, I still haven't graduate from there yeah i still haven't <laughs> figured that out but anyway i got this thing <laughs> yesterday and it was like what would you say you like as an alumni what did you get the most out of it and it was it was like mm. your social and like relationships or whatever something about relationships yeah. and i was like it's that that's what i that's what 100%. i took most out of my time at bethel it wasn't my education was my education excellent yeah, I think it was. I think it was great. Yeah. I think you can get an excellent education there. Um, mm-hmm. But it it was, I, I think that there's some of the best, there are some great professors there that have a lot of like, mm-hmm. they, they're there for all the right reasons, you know? And, right. Um, yeah. 
I think there are Very some really great about people. What they do. Yeah, that could be working at yeah. you know big name colleges for sure, and mm-hmm. have like lucrative yeah. careers in the education world and in the college world and mm-hmm. writing books or whatever. And they choose to be at Bethel, yeah. and I I think that's admirable, and I I respect that totally. Um, yeah, I, I think sure. there's a great education that you can get at Bethel College. Um, mm-hmm. There's yeah. the good with the bad and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, but. definitely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, then I, so then I went to Columbia, which is the complete opposite of Bethel. Um, (laughs) Like it's downtown Chicago. Um, we don't have a campus. Like our classes are in different buildings throughout the loop. Um, we, it's a liberal arts school. It's an art school. Um, um, it's, like, I remember going to, it's called Convocation. It's, like, the first day yeah. um, of school. It's, like, this huge, like, music arts festival that they have in Grant Park. And because you can't just have, like, a normal orientation. It's, like, Columbia does everything artistic, right? So mm-hmm. um, they have, like, this huge festival. <clears throat> and I think it was the chancellor at the time. He, like, had this chant that he wanted all the students to do. <laughs> and he would, like, say something he would like say a phrase and then all of the students were supposed to yell like, hell yeah. And he would say <laughs> something else. So we would up, hell yeah. And I was like, I'm not swearing. Like, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I can't yell like a curse word. Are you serious? Yeah. Like, I was like, <laughs> it was like so funny. Cause it's, I mean, it's not even a big deal, but I was like, Oh my, I mean, I was like, all these people around me are just like, seeing up a storm, you know? And I was like, <laughs> it was just so, it was, yeah. it was my first like, culture shock. Experience. almost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent. The whole my whole first semester was just my. I actually my whole time at Columbia was a culture shock. Um, <laughs> and um, it's such a diverse school, um, in like not only like race and ethnicity, but like, um, just I don't even know. Like it's just like diverse in culture. Of every background and every culture are there. Yeah. And um. And if they're not at, if they're not at Columbia, they're walking down the street next to you because you're mm. downtown Chicago. Yeah, you know? right. Um, and like I would go to class, like walk to. So my first apartment was on Michigan Avenue, right? I yeah. overlooked um, the Bean, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> awesome. it was awesome. Like I'll never afford that apartment again. I it was a two bedroom I shared with four girls. So, yeah, or there's four of us. So like the rent was cheap because we split it that way. But yeah. it's like it was super nice. Um, and like I would walk to class. I was a 15-minute walk and, like, could easily hear people speaking 10 different languages on my way to, oh, yeah. to class, you know, totally. like, like, it's just, and then, and you have people, tourists, and then homeless people, and the businessmen, and just yeah. everyone, like, so much happening all at once, you know, yeah. um, and it was awesome, um, I, going back to, uh, Derek Griffey's podcast and him asking you, like, why do you believe that? Yeah. Like, that question was asked to me so many times yeah. um, when I got to Columbia because people, like, being asked that question by someone who has a similar viewpoint as you mm-hmm. is one thing, but yeah. then being asked that by someone who completely disagrees with what you're saying yeah. <laughs> or, like, just just has a completely different perspective on things yeah. um it's different and you i think you touched on this in derek's podcast of like having to be able to use your own words to explain and yeah. to, like defend yourself exactly um, 
And so, like, through that, like, I learned, I learned more in my first semester at Columbia about, like, what my face looks like than I did in my, my two years at Buffalo. Yeah. Like, 100%. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't, and I, like, so, at Columbia, my first semester, I met, right away, um, at that convocation, actually, I met my friend Ting, um, he's Taiwanese, um, some, he's not Christian, but somehow he always finds the Christians. Like, that's who his friends are. <laughs> yeah. So um, he just, he would come over, and we would stay up to like, 3 or 4 in the morning, and he would just ask me question after question. And we'd have conversations like this, of just, like, mm-hmm. like very real conversations, and just, like, getting, like, he just wanted to know more. Yeah. And, like, I wanted to know more about his background. And yeah. we just had awesome conversations. That's awesome. Um, challenging each other to, yeah. like, figure out what we actually think <laughs> yeah well it's a, yeah. invisible children was that for me right like it's the mm-hmm. exact same thing that you're talking about and if you listen to brady uh our podcast I, it may have been a little ramble fest because it was just a interesting conversation but we we went pretty deep like his faith is very important to him and mm-hmm. um he like i mentioned he kind of had this identity crisis in a sense of like um his faith when he got to invisible children because there's so many of these amazing people with all the same, mm-hmm. like this idea of like from different religious, different, you know, whether mm-hmm. you're atheist or whether you had your Buddhist or whatever, different cultures, different idea. And, and mm-hmm. the idea of what that looked like and what it meant to be yeah. a Christian was like challenged. And so yeah. he was forced to kind of face that same question of like, what do you believe? But mm-hmm. whatever. And, and it's such an open and safe and like welcoming environment and everybody's trying to figure things out themselves, you know? So, so many times when, when you're, when you live in a house with 60 different people of different cultures and backgrounds and religious uh, beliefs and whatever, there's so much that comes out. And so it's just rich with this like Mm -hmm. environment, this incubator of like finding yourself and figuring out what you believe and, um, Mm -hmm challenging what you do believe and i don't know it's just great and so i i love that yeah. environment i love challenging it uh, i love right sometimes i just take me and my wife especially I, I try not to do this with strangers because people get confused <laughs> as to what i actually believe but I, I sometimes i just take the other side just to see like yeah like oh i get that like i'll i'll play devil's advocate yeah. for a bit like because yeah. i understand where they're coming from so it's like just it mm-hmm. i don't know I, I think it's good to just ask questions and challenge things and yeah that environment sure. is like it's so i think it's healthy for just an individual and strengthening who you are yeah. you know something that i wonder okay. i guess one of not a theory but i just wonder I, I see a lot of like insecurities coming from people um in okay. the similar backgrounds that you and i have grown up in you know and coming from okay. that and yeah. not being just this insecurity in who we are and making decisions. And um, mm-hmm. I just wonder if some of that doesn't stem back to this, like, idea of the submissive slash, like, fall in line, follow the rules, mm-hmm. do what we say yeah. um, type of mentality versus, like, figure out what you believe and figure out who you are and um, yeah. welcoming kind of more what, you know, the red letter- letters or what, you know, mm-hmm. if you believe in the Christian faith, what yeah. Jesus says. And, and I, I just wonder where, if some of those like insecurities really stem from some of that background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like when I got to Columbia, I was like, every day was like a challenge. Like I was up to the challenge every single day to be like, 
how am I going to live out my faith today? Because like, mm-hmm. I like, how can I love the people I'm around, even though they're different from me, or even though they don't agree with what I yeah like? Maybe their beliefs are different than mine. Yeah, but like, how can I still love them? Yeah. I, I should, I, I have to still love them. And like, how yeah. can I do that? And so, um, I just don't like think they're was, mutually exclusive. This is I 100% right. with what you said. Like, I, I don't believe the same things I believe anymore. I don't call myself a Christian mm-hmm. anymore. And, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I don't still care about and love the people that are in right. that community. And I've been conflicted right. with that for so long because for so long, I felt that those two things were mutually exclusive, that I couldn't believe mm-hmm. something or I couldn't support something that was Christian mm-hmm. or was, you know, had a religious undertone or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, because I didn't believe that. And I think that's silly. Right. Like I can still support yeah. things that are doing good within that religion. Like wh- right. who cares? Right. And right, right. I, I really saw this when I went to Thailand with my wife on, on our honeymoon. Mm-hmm. And I was so intrigued by and just wanted to be respectful to and participate in, you know, some of the like traditions there within mm-hmm. like the Thailand culture. And yeah. I came back and I was like, I would never do some of those things in the Christian church. Like I want to like push that away. And why is that? And so I was mm-hmm. kind of like confronted yeah. with that idea of why why do I have this feeling with my own faith that I grew up in and it was kind of this like you need to face that and not like be so standoffish with it but Mm -hmm. it's okay like you don't have to believe it but you can still respect it and you can still appreciate and you can still call out the things that you don't agree with that's okay too and I don't know I I just I want exactly what you said like I I just want to be this inclusive person of like how can I show people I love them and um yeah you know like it doesn't matter what you believe and doesn't matter who you are it's like it's hard. It's challenging sometimes. Yeah. But. And part of like that learning process for me was like, I learned very quickly to just like, I had to be honest with people and be like, like, especially um, like the LGBTQ community. Yeah. Um, like, I'm like, listen, like I grew up in a very, sh- like, I don't want to say sheltered, but sheltered yeah. environment. 100%. And like, I haven't met, I don't, I haven't met people that like, I know that have actually, like, that have come out. So, like, I, like, didn't know anyone. Like, I knew nothing about that entire community. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I just had to be honest. And I'd be like, hey, tell me about it. Like, I'm ignorant, and I need you to, I need you to teach me about this, because I don't know. And, like, with other subcultures as well, like, being open and telling them, like, you know what, I don't know, I don't know what that is. Can you, can you teach me about this? Because I, I want, I want to get to know you better Mm. so I can love you better. Yeah, we're fearful of what we don't know. If I don't know you, you know. Yeah, yeah, we're afraid so, of those things um, we don't know. Yeah, I'm trying yeah, to get more of that community on the podcast as well. Um, yeah. So hopefully in the future we'll have more of that that specific group of yeah. people of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, yeah. And and the same, like I, honestly, I, it makes me super nervous because I want to be so respectful mm-hmm. and and I want to be like exactly. inclusive, you know, like and I don't mm-hmm. and I've I've had this like anxiety in so many ways about like inviting certain Mm -hmm. people on the podcast not even within that group but also within that group Mm -hmm. um just because I don't know and I don't want to come across and I don't want to be disrespectful and I don't want to you know and yeah I just realized that like that's how I have to go about it and I just have to be like listen like if I say something wrong like please confront me let's talk about it like I like right here don't wait like call me out because it's not 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 my intention from a place yeah it's not your intention it's because you genuinely didn't know that what you were saying was offensive yeah. or hurtful or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I just want yeah, to learn. Definitely. I need to know. And I think that other people do right. too. And 
that's everyone has a story. Everyone's story matters. Right. What's your story? Yeah. Like, that's what we're doing here. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, and the more you, and I found out like the more I got to like ask questions and like try to be more understanding of different cultures, mm-hmm. like the more I realized how similar we are, you know, yeah. like it's, so many more like similarities than differences. Different. No. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we all want to be treated yeah. the same. It's just, it looks, yeah. it, it's just maybe has a different, like, uh, facade a different like exterior mm-hmm. and who cares yeah yeah <laughs> you know yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. So, i mean that was my every day at columbia mm, um i love that <laughs> yeah it was awesome it was great and i um like i yeah it's just that was the environment that i needed to like figure out like what i like who i was that's and, awesome um, yeah so which yeah. so you graduated from columbia uh mm-hmm. with your degree in sign language interpreting yeah. um and i saw you worked at the shed aquarium that's pretty cool yeah yes i did and that's um you know that's kind of one of those things too um just about chicago in general that i love is like i have so many friends that like except for like one connection we have no reason to be friends <laughs> and like i worked at the shed yeah. aquarium and like me and all my coworkers were so close and we still are i'm so close with several of them um but like we would hang out every single weekend like we were all really good friends but when you look at us like none of us have anything in common like Mm. we have like a few similarities and interests but like because we worked at the shed that was like our bond yeah um and so it was awesome because we got to like if i met someone on the street i probably never would have been friends with them right but like because we worked at the shed, we just like were forced to be friends yeah. and like figured out ways to like, I don't know, like it it's, was just, it was cool. Cause it was such a dynamic group. Yeah. Um, it teaches you exactly what we were just saying about as well as like this perspective that we yeah. have. We have these outside perspective of people sometimes that we, yeah. we prescribe to them or, you know, label them or whatever. Yeah. It's these outside judgments of, I think it's just the way the brain works in some ways. We try to like mm-hmm. quickly figure things out and it's, it's, just the the way we do and, yeah um yeah. but when you get to know people and it's like oh they're not what i thought they were or like right why was right. i so standoffish like it's that fear of yeah. the unknown like oh i just don't know mm-hmm. i think it speaks more to us uh, as individuals mm-hmm. ourselves than it does to other people you know yeah where it's yeah. like oh man i need to be more inclusive and more like challenging how i think about people and I had the same right. thing in multiple different places, you know, of, uh, throughout mm-hmm. my life where I'm like, I had this snap judgment of someone and then I was like, dang it, they're really cool. I like them. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, I have a funny story about that with Margie, actually. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, when we were in church that was at my high school, but met at my high school, but um, her and I were not friends. Right. And uh, <laughs> so we, like, we met there. We were in the same like small group in our youth group because we were in the same grade. And, um, but I was friends with other people that I had known. Some of the other kids went to my high school or whatever, for whatever reason, I knew a bunch of people at the youth group. So like I fit in right away. I was a new girl, but like I knew everyone mm-hmm. or a lot of people. So it wasn't like I was new, but I wasn't. Um, and Margie and I were like, we weren't not friends. Like we were like acquaintances. Like we would smile, say hi to each other. Like, yeah whatever like acknowledge each other's presence but we weren't really friends um and i'm not sure what when it changed like when we became like 
yeah. actual friends. Buds. Uh, but then later <laughs> in life, she was like, so actually, like, I really hated you when you first started coming to youth group. And I was like, <laughs> why? And uh, she hated me because every Sunday I'd show up to youth group with like a Frappuccino from Starbucks. And she was like, who is this like basic Becky walking in a youth group every Sunday? You know? like, and it was like, because of that, she like, yeah. Immediately, like, like, nope, I can't be friends with this girl. I know. <laughs> and Isn't then, that funny? You know, things work its way out, and we, yeah, we're still yeah. friends today. So, <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy yeah. how those things, I, I have similar stories as well with friends yeah. or things where yeah. I'm like, something like, was like, ugh, you know, like, whatever. And then yeah. I get to know them, I'm like, dang yeah. it, they're really cool. Oh, I like yeah. them. Like, I'm yeah. such a jerk. <laughs> like, I'm such an idiot. Why did I feel that way? Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Becky, you're involved in some cool stuff now too, right? I mean, yeah. you play softball or you coach for softball, something along those lines. Uh, yep, all of. It. Uh, I play for um, the Chicago Theater Softball League. It's okay. this league that's been—it's like slow pitch exchange softball. Yeah. Um, it's been going since I want to say the '80s, um, and it's a softball league that each team was represented, like representative of the different theaters in Chicago. Nice. And when it started, like you had to be a part of that theater mm. um, in some capacity, whether you're an actor or like um, worked in lights or tickets or management, whatever. Like you had to be affiliated with that theater. Yeah. Um, and then every team gets like a wild card, just like a random person. And so I'm that person on my team. Uh, Cause I'm not <laughs> a theater, nice. but um, yeah. That feels good. And so, yeah. Um, and it's super fun. It's actually like super competitive um, I've been playing on that for three years now. Um, nice. And it's, it's just a really good time. It's just like a mix of all different types of personalities. And yeah. um, we like grill out after the games and yeah. it's super awesome. That's cool. Um, a lot of fun. Yeah. And then I coach high school softball. Um, you coach high coach school softball? Whit- yeah. Yeah, JV softball um, at Whitney Young High School. Nice. Um, which might, might sound familiar. Uh, Michelle Obama went there. Cool. Uh, Mike, Michael Jordan's kids went there. Uh, yeah. So, um, That's awesome. This is my sixth season there coaching. Um, Isn't yeah, coaching fun? Awesome. I love it. I um, love it too. I know. It's so different than I thought it was going to be, like when I got into it. Um, yeah. I, Looking back now, when you look at like you growing up, how you like looked at your coaches, isn't it like a kind yeah. of a cool like like this meta experience yeah. <laughs> where you're like oh yeah like yeah i'm like wow i didn't realize how much you did like yeah. after we oh, all went yeah. home mm-hmm. and like um you're not just coach no like, you're a mentor you're like yeah a how much you think about you're, the students and everything. the people that you coach yeah and your athletes yeah um yeah and chicago doesn't have a very good program for like the soft players so um my first few seasons I would say half of my team were girls who had never picked up a softball before. That's cool, like, though. I'm, some of them I, like, wasn't even entirely sure, like, what <laughs> the reason was that they came out for the team because, like, they had no idea, like, what what softball was. Like, didn't yeah. know where first base was, you know? Like, um, so, but it's awesome because that's why I like coaching JV because it's, like, we only have JV or varsity. Um, mm-hmm. So I get the kids who don't have the skills yet or don't or need to, like, fine-tune their skills. Yeah. So there's so much room for growth, and it's so fun to just watch them from tryouts to the end of the season, seeing how much they improve every year. Yeah, um, 
It's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah. You're also a Mm -hmm. runner. Yeah. You've done some. Yeah, go on. I've ran six marathons now. Dang, Um, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Again, it was one of those things I went, when I first moved to Chicago, I went to the Chicago Marathon that fall and went to the finish line. This was before the whole like Boston bombing thing. So you could just go and sit at the finish line. And um, I remember just like cheering on these people in that last like hundred meter stretch to the finish line. And there would be people who would like start to walk and then you cheer them on and they like start running again and they get past the line and you're just like, yeah, you did it. And, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. The marathon's next weekend and I'm not running it, but I'm like going out and cheering the marathon is like my favorite day of the year. So yeah. Super that's awesome. For that. um, yeah. I did Chicago five times and then uh, last year I actually ran the Berlin marathon. No way. In Germany. That's cool. Yeah. It was awesome. Uh, that's why. The marathon race was terrible. I, uh, <laughs> it was it was not a good run for me at all. Yeah. Um, but being in Germany was awesome. I loved that. Um, do you mind sharing your times? Like, what do you? Um, what's your my, like average time yeah, for a marathon? Uh, so my fastest is four twenty six. Four twenty six. I don't know how yeah, good that, so or bad that like, is, but it sounds <laughs> it sounds awesome. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's not the best. Uh, it's, it's impressive um, to me. <laughs> it's like. So if you ran a 10-minute pace the whole way, it would be four hours and 20 minutes. So it's just over okay. a 10-minute mile. Yeah. Um, so I ran two marathons, and then training for my third, I ended up having knee surgery. Ouch. Um, yeah, so I had a dropout of training in 2015. Came back 2016, and that was kind of just like a, to prove to myself that I could still do it. Uh, nice. So it did not go well. Um, yeah, and then I haven't... So I actually had like the best training of my life last summer. Um, yeah. was running like a nine thirty pace, like Ooh. way like gonna just like kill it on this mm-hmm. Berlin marathon, right? And then I don't know what happened. Like my, I think my feet were still swollen from the flight over. Oh uh, yeah. And um, and then as you run, your feet swell more. And like yeah. I was by like the like eighteenth kilometer, you couldn't feel kilometer, it. So like halfway, <laughs> it was like. Oh, I could feel that. It was, like, so painful. Uh, like, every time I would step, it just hurt. And so I literally stopped at the med tent and got a foot massage. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, That's so awesome. that, like, added 20 minutes to my time. Um, sure. Yeah, I still finished, like, it was, like, just over five hours, I think. Nice. Um But it was just very frustrating. And I actually, like, on the course, I remember just, like, crying <laughs> while yeah. I was running. Um, just, like, so frustrated. Um, then my friend, who actually lived, that she grew up she's german uh, she lives in the small town like two hours away from berlin yeah um she came and i like That's i saw so her cool. on the course and she kind of like pumped me up to finish. yeah um but then i finished and i was just like so just upset and frustrated and uh i went and sat out like in the middle oh, so they like pride themselves in this like non-alcoholic beer that they give you at the finish line <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they ran out by the time i finished and mm-hmm. then they had like a free massage tent. So I was going to go get a free massage. And then they were like, Oh no, that's closed. And I was like, what the heck? Like every, like there's nothing here. And I like just ran this terrible race. And I just like went and sat in the middle of this field and like my head and my hands just like crying. And this lady came up to me like from France and like in broken English was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm just frustrated. Like I, you know, I didn't do well. And, um, She's like, 
she's like, no, but you did it. Like, you finished. And I was like, I know, but, like, that wasn't my goal. And she's like, it doesn't matter. She's like, not everyone can say they finished the marathon. And I was like, yeah. I know, but... And she was like, no. It's like, she wouldn't let me, like... Yeah. She's like, no, you did this. Like, you need to have, like, some pride in what you did. Yeah. And she, like, helped me get back up. She gave me some Kleenex and, like, walked me back to the gear check. And, like, it was just a really, like, sweet moment. And, I know. I'm, again, like... You're crying. I'm not crying right now. It's okay. <laughs> Like, it was just, like, and, like, she oh, barely so understood cool. me, because, yeah, and it was, um, yeah, it was really cool. It was a cool moment. Um, probably my favorite moment of that entire race was that's that cool. part of it. <laughs> yeah, so. Congrats. Yeah. That's awesome. Man, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, that's, so. like, on my list of, like, one day I'm going to run a marathon. Yeah. I just said that on the um, podcast, so yeah, got to hold me accountable, people. You're going to do it. I've. That's uh, one of my great um, skills is com- like getting my friends to run marathons. So I actually have a friend running next weekend in Chicago that he said like six years ago as a joke. And I was like, nope, you're doing it. Yeah. So you're doing it next well, weekend. <laughs> keep following up with me, Becky, because one of these days yeah. I want to do it. I want to just say I've done it, you know, like that's yeah. really the only reason. It's like I want to challenge myself to do it. And yeah. like I hate yeah. running with the passion. And so yeah. mm-hmm. like I think it's a it. mental toughness piece and just like a proving mm-hmm. myself like. I know I can. I just don't want to. Does that make right. sense? Like, and yeah, I just kind of sure. want to like prove myself that I can. So, yeah, you should do it. Chicago's super flat. It's one of the flattest ones. So, okay, um, you should run it. <laughs> yeah, maybe I will. Yeah, maybe, oh, the other funny part know. about Berlin was like I was like halfway through, and they already changed the advertisements on the bus stop saying the guy who won the marathon he set the world record. So I was like halfway through and they've already changed the signs, like the advertising on the bus stop to done. say that like the world record was broken. Yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, uh, that's the worst. I was uh, saving the, this part for last just in case people fell off. I didn't want to promote this team, but you're a Cubs fan. Yeah. Ew, gross. Yep. <laughs> I uh, have season tickets. Uh, I was gonna I ask because about- I wondered. I've, I've wondered about this for so long because I know you go to yeah. the games a lot, and I'm like, she's got to be a season ticket holder. And I didn't know if yeah. you like work there, and if that's how yeah. you like, if you like interpreted there, like I don't know. Oh, oh man, don't even get me started on accessibility at Wrigley Field because that's a whole other like four hour podcast. But <laughs> uh, they don't have accessibility. That's the problem. But. Uh-huh. um yeah, but no, I uh, actually, in my freshman year of high school, signed up for the Cubs season ticket, like, wait list. Yeah. In hopes that by the time it became my turn, I would have, like, graduated college and, like, maybe worked a little bit. And, and be able to afford it. And I would get tickets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so then, nine years later, I, so I, um, I graduated in December from Columbia. Like, I had to go an extra semester. Um, mm-hmm. And in that semester as it was wrapping up uh i got an email from the cubs saying that it was my turn to buy my ticket um so literally five days before i graduated college i went and like picked out my seat um and yeah and it was awesome um i just have one seat because at that time i had no money so that was all i could afford yeah um plus i like i mean I'm not going to have someone to bring with me every game anyway. So yeah. um, I just own one seat and my section is awesome. Um, everyone who sits around me is season ticket holders. So we have our own little family there. Um, 
and we celebrated each other's birthdays. We, That's cool. Um, we used to, so they used to number the sections differently. Uh, we've always been section 527. Um, this year they remembered because the remodel, they're remodeling the stadium. But um, so for, since we are section 527, every year on May 27th, because um, the date is 527, mm. we would have 527 day. And so nice. we would like decorate our section with like streamers and posters. <laughs> and like we bring food and cupcakes and like. That's cool. Birthday hats and all this stuff. Yeah, it's. it's it's pretty fun. <laughs> uh, Go White Sox. <sighs> no. <laughs> no, I will say, I go to like a, a handful of White Sox games every right, year too because right. they're, they're okay. Yeah. All right. Fair <laughs> yeah. enough. I was always, uh, yeah. I don't really follow baseball too much to be completely yeah. honest. Um, <laughs> but I was a White Sox fan when I was younger growing up. And okay. Big Hurt, Frank Thomas, he's yeah. my guy. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, you know, just been a, I just call myself White Sox fan <laughs> now. Yeah. Stinking yeah. Cubs I, uh, people, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 2016 was awesome. It was like yeah. everything I could ever have imagined. Uh, yeah. Called off work a lot. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I mean, my boss knew. My boss was like, you're, you're going to the game, right? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, okay. Like, I'll get a sub for you. I was like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, she knew. Like, yeah. everyone knew where they could find me. Yeah. That so, that's cool. Um, yeah, yeah, so awesome. where do you work now, and, and what's your job like? And um, So now I work full-time for the community college network in Chicago, um, Chicago City Colleges. Okay. And interpreting there, just interpreting college classes. Um, I mostly interpret for a nursing student. Cool. Um, so I inter- interpret all her med classes and then go wow. with her to her clinical site too. So I'm in the hospital with her. Um, yeah, That's cool. it's been super interesting. It's a very like, um, niche kind of, you know, skill too. Like yeah. medical yeah. devices, medical words and signing. I'm oh, sure yeah. that's difficult. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, human anatomy is not, not the easiest words to spell. <laughs> <laughs> and prescriptions are a little. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, sure. um, yeah. Yeah, it's been a. I've had to learn a lot through that. Um, Job security, but I though. love it. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I interpret like I've. I also pick up just random freelance jobs if I see something that looks fun. I'll do it. Um, but I am full time at the college, so like, uh, which is thirty seven and a half hours a week. So I don't really need to work extra. But yeah. uh, sometimes I just see something that looks fun and I'll do it. Yeah. Um, cool. Like I um I I interpreted at like the Blackhawks convention. Oh, um, nice. That was pretty sweet. Like Jonathan Taves and stuff. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah, like just like random stuff, like high ropes course. You're like out in the middle of the forest. Yeah, interpreting. That's that cool. Cool. Um, and then I interpreted at a call center, so I interpret phone calls for deaf people. Oh, um, that's awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, I know that's that cool. the deaf community is a very like close knit group of people. Um, and mm-hmm. I, and it's got its own like culture within it. Um, mm-hmm. can you speak to that at all? Yeah. Um, I actually, so I, um, volunteer every summer at a camp for deaf kids. Yeah. Um, Indiana deaf camp. It's cool. in Milford, Indiana. Nice. Uh, which is like in the middle of nowhere. I actually have never driven there. Um, Most of Indiana is in the middle of nowhere. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's kind of a joke because, like, I'm turning 30 this month, but, like, my parents still drive me to summer camp every year because I <laughs> don't have to a the car. Club. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, it's kind of funny. But anyway, yeah. so this camp has been around for a really long time. And um, okay. I've been there. I started going there in 2012. Uh-huh. And as a counselor, I've been going back every year. And this past year was my third year as a group leader. So okay. I like uh, lead the group. And then I have a couple of counselors that help me out. Um, yeah. And I think that deaf community is the one that I'm like, most passionate about Mm -hmm. um i i really hate interpreting for children (laughs) um like in my day-to-day life i don't interpret for kids yeah um it's just not something i enjoy but i love interacting with the deaf kids um and at this camp is like the perfect opportunity for that yeah um and like just watching the kids grow um this like our camp director started at camp as a i think he was like three or four when he started going to camp and he's gone as a child then he became counselor and then he became group leader and now he's director of camp and like um people who grew up at camp became counselors and now their kids are coming to camp and it's this this huge family um and community um and just an opportunity for kids to come and um be with a group of people who are the same as them kind of the opposite of what we were talking about earlier is like and their whole lives are dealing with people who are different than them. Yeah. And then they can come here for a week and everything's the same. Mm. And, um, and like they come and, you know, some of them have hearing aids or cochlear implants and they can just take them off and they don't need to worry about being able to hear anything because yeah. people are signing to them. That's um, cool. And unfortunately a lot of their parents don't sign or their families don't sign. And so like yeah. when they're at home, they're very isolated mm-hmm. and then, they come to camp and they're just the same as everyone else. That's um, cool. And I just have one story about camp this year. And it's like I, every year I'm like, maybe this is my last year. And then something <laughs> happens and I'm like, nope, I have to come back again. Yeah. Um, and this year uh, there was a boy in my group. Um, he got like his parents came up to the registration table to like drop him off. And we're in this huge room. Everyone's signing to each other, right? And the, the mom and dad come up to the table, and they look at me, and they're like, can you hear us? And I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm hearing. What and they're like, oh, my gosh, thank God. They're like, we don't know any sign language, and everyone's signing, and we don't know what's going on. And I was like, oh, okay, no problem. And they're like, this is our son. But kind um, of a problem, he, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But, and, well, their son also doesn't know sign language. Like, he's hard of oh, hearing. Oh, wow. Has, um, has hearing aids, but has never learned sign. Oh, and so they're like, so we're kind of concerned. Yeah, they're like, we're kind of concerned because, like, everyone's signing, but he doesn't know sign language. So, yeah. like, is this okay? And I was like, no, it's totally fine. Like, I'm actually an interpreter, so I will make sure that he has access to communication all week. Yeah. Like, if I have to interpret for him, that's totally cool. Um, and they're like, okay, okay. And I was like, you know, we're going to go fishing, canoeing, like, climbing on the rock wall like we're gonna do all this stuff like he's gonna have the best time don't even worry about it and they're like okay okay so um he his parents leave drop him off whatever and the first day he was kind of like a little like just kind of like deer in headlights like what <laughs> yeah. like what is happening yeah you know? which the first day of and, camp uh, always is kind of that way in some ways you know yeah regardless yeah. of like just, what background you come and then you step into that scenario yeah. oof yeah, and you're like, I can't, I can't even talk to half of these people. Yeah. So like, um, and I should say, some of the kids there are hearing, but their parents okay. are deaf. So gotcha. um, there are kids who could just like talk to him. But um, so he is like the cutest little boy. I want to say he is 12 or 13. Mm-hmm. Um, lives like on a farm, has like the best Southern accent, just like 
loves like fishing and yeah. hunting and yeah. all that, like just like awesome. Uh, and so he kind of like stuck with the counselors a little bit at the beginning because he didn't really know who else to like how to interact with the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, the first morning, one of our counselors taught him how to sign good morning. And the rest of the week, like he would go around and say good morning to everyone in our group because that was like the one sign that he like had down. Uh, and so, so like cool. he knew that he could say good morning to them. So he would do that. Um, and then I remember maybe, and like, as it kept going, like the kids opened up to him and, you know, the deaf kids would figure out a way to communicate with him. Um, yeah. Whether it was more of like gestures or like charades almost, but like they figured out a way to make it work. And like, he became friends with a lot of them and, um, would come up and ask us what different signs were um, throughout the week. And he, I remember we were making uh, chocolate chip cookies like over a bonfire That's like, and like a Dutch oven. That's one thing yeah. that we do every year. And um, so the kids all have to do it themselves. Like counselors don't help. And I remember standing there and uh, all of a sudden, because everyone's signing to each other, making these cookies, communicating in sign language. And all of a sudden I hear his little voice. And he's like, wow this sign language thing is pretty neat. <laughs> and it was like, it was awesome. I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, it is. I was like, you're right. And um, so then at That's the awesome. end of the week, yeah, at the end of the week, we had, uh, we do a talent show every year. And um, my group decided they wanted to do Deaf Camp Idol. So it's kind of like American Idol. Yeah. Um, and so there was four deaf girls who uh, signed the Baby Shark song. <laughs> okay. And then, um, so this boy and another girl, they we taught them the signs for um, one of his like favorite country songs. Okay. And so he like got on stage in the talent show and signed the song, wow. the country song. Um, and his parents were in the audience for that. And when the kids leave, their parents have to come and like sign them out with me, so I know that they've been accounted for. Yeah. And. Um, this lady comes up to me and like gives me a hug and I like, I don't really know who it was. And she's like crying. She's crying. And I was like, uh, and she's like, I'm Carter's mom. And I was like, Oh, okay. (laughs) And she's like, she's like, I, she's like, I don't even know what to say right now. She's like, I'm, she's like, I'm so just like in awe. Mm -hmm. She's like, I've never seen him so happy before. I've never seen him. Like, everyone in his class thinks he's he's outcast. Like, yeah. no one understands No one knows how to communicate with him. Um, she's like, I've never seen him so happy before. And um, she was like, thank you so much for, like, for welcoming, welcoming him in this week. And oh, that's so cool. just, like, making him a part of this. And, um, and I was like, yeah, like, you know, like, that's why we're here. Like, this is why we have this camp is so yeah. that people can can feel a part of something, if, even if they don't the other weeks of the year, you know? And, um, yeah. So it was just like a really, really awesome experience awesome. to see that happen. Um, and he was like super pumped to go home and like watch YouTube videos and like learn sign language yeah. and try to get like connected with resources back home because he realized just like how much of a difference it really made. Um, wow. Yeah. So, That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. We yeah. have we have yeah. three minutes left, just so you know. Oh, okay. So, um, but I want if you're if you have something quick that you could say of like for people to understand that they don't come from um, that community that don't necessarily speak sign language or understand what it's like to be deaf. Um, what would you 
I don't know the right terminology, Becky, I'm sorry. Um, but what would you say to those people that are uh, hearing that don't understand um, that community? Man, I would say that they're not any different than us, yeah. uh, than hearing people. Um, I think there's a huge misconception that deaf people like, can't do anything. Mm. And um, the only thing they can't do is hear. Yeah. And that's the only thing. Um, and and I think, you know, people are so easy, like, quickly to, like, write them off on things. Because yeah. they're like, oh, they're deaf, they can't. Mm. They can't. Yeah. Um, they just can't hear. They just need a little bit extra assistance when it comes to communication, and that's about it. Um, other than that, they can they can do and be whoever they want to be. You know, yeah. um, I think that's the most important part is realizing that they're they're not all that different than the rest of the hearing hearing people. So that's awesome. Thank you so much. We're gonna wrap yeah. it up right there. Yeah. Thank you so much for okay. coming on the show and and sharing okay. part of your story and uh, your experience at Bethel and um, interpreting. And yeah. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening tuning in go check out crazyfaceuno.com we've got mugs for sale on there there's ways for you to donate if you're not interested in a mug um all of your money goes to supporting and helping us build this project and build this uh what we're trying to do here share people's stories and uh be inclusive in this environment we love you all thank you all so much for listening again peace